joined now by Brett Hudson from TideSports.com. And Brett, uh, w- when you when you look at the numbers and, and you see the the Heisman Trophy winner plays a half and yet sets all kinds of records and, and, and is the MVP. Man, that just kind of tells you a little bit about how good they were last night on the offensive side of the football. Well, it's been that way all year long. You know, I mean, you you got to be something special to win the, the Heisman Trophy as a wide receiver and in today's environment where the, the ward is so quarterback uh, biased, I guess. It leans heavily in the quarterback direction. Um, so for for, for a wide receiver to win it, you got to be balling on a on a pretty wild level, and and Devontae left no doubt on on that one in the in the national championship game, and, and those numbers come entirely in the first half. He dislocated his finger early in the third quarter and, and didn't get any statistical production after that. So yeah, you wonder what his numbers would have looked like if he had not done that and he played most of the game. One of the things I was I was thinking about last night when when he goes out of the game and and then uh, you know Robinson comes into the game at running back and I, I was just thinking the the depth that they've got some of these second and third team guys would be starters anywhere else in America. Yeah, and honestly, I think that's what surprised me most about Smitty's run to the Heisman Trophy is that they kind of leaned on him when they don't have to necessarily. They have plenty of, of options. I mean, Najee Harris, you could have easily just turned the ground and gave it to, to him 25, 30 times if you wanted to. It probably would have worked pretty well. Uh, they have a, a bunch of receiving options. John Mechie third has uh, had a breakout year um, in his sophomore season at wide receiver. They have two good receiving threats at tight end and Miller Forrest on and Jaleel Billingsley played Bolden. We saw him do some work out of the plot in the national title game. They, they have plenty of options for uh, offensive playmakers after Jalen Waddle went down and they decided to, to constantly put the ball in, in Smitty's hands for reasons that are now pretty obvious, I guess. Talking with Brett Hudson from TideSports.com, and you mentioned Jalen Waddle there, and one of the things I noticed last night was him actually being active in that game. That kind of caught me off uh, off guard, and then the amount of time that they left him out there with that significant limp, were you surprised at all by that decision? I, I was. I mean, I, I understand why they did it in the third quarter because Smitty had just gone out, and, and you need a little something at, at wide receiver, so... I imagine if, if Devontae doesn't dislocate his finger and he's able to play that entire game, you see less of Waddle than you ended up seeing. But it, they, they left it up to, to Jalen if he wanted to play. And he obviously did. And, and cutting and changing directions was, was difficult for him. So they tried to get him in situations where he was mostly just running a straight line. I think that the first play that he came in, he ran a drag, which – makes perfect sense. You're just basically running a straight line across the, the formation two or three yards down the field. They tried to create that for him as often as they could so they could use him effectively within the, the framework of, of the offense. But I, I do think that you may have seen less of Waddle if Devontae didn't dislocate his finger and, and force Banner into a, a more difficult spot at wide receiver. 
I don't know, Nick Saban had an interesting quote to me where he was talking about um, not recruiting players who switch multiple schools because they don't want to adapt to adversity. And I feel like that's really carried over into college and what's clogged up this transfer portal. How do you think we can get a hold of that situation? I think it figures itself out, you know. Um, I, I think people, uh, uh, some of these players can look at the transfer portal as some sort of grand land of opportunity. Right, like you know, people, you look at the lanes and differences of the world, right? Mm. You know, things weren't going well at Florida State. He goes to the transfer portal. He pops up at, at Bama. He's a two-year starter, and, and, and that goes really well for him. And Joe Burrow and Justin Fields are some other obvious examples. But those are those are somewhat few and far between where the transfer portal really works out for somebody. Um, and, uh, there are a lot of people that enter the transfer portal, that it just doesn't work out that well. They, they enter the transfer portal, they find a new place to play football, and it isn't as it isn't the fairy tale, right? So mm-hmm. I think as that continues to happen, people will start to understand that the transfer portal isn't this like magical fairy tale land of opportunity and football promise. It is a place where you can change your location but you still got to be kind of lucky to find the right place for you, the right system for you, and then you got to be um, where you need to be physically to take advantage of of the opportunity. So if, if you're concerned with the amount of people transferring and the activity in the portal, I think over time people will realize that the portal isn't just this magical place where you can go in there and improve your your set your situation in, in life. There there are other factors involved and, and, and I'm not sure that all these people transferring is, is all that big of a deal in the first place, right? Like mm-hmm. I mean a, a regular students are allowed to do it. So why can't why can't the football players, I guess? Yeah, that's a good point. I know one of the things, last night was obviously historic for Nick Saban. He passes Bear Bryant. And to me, one of the most impressive things that Coach Saban is able to do is replace coordinators and just keep that thing moving. And now with Sarkeesian taking the job in Texas, who is the front runner to be the offensive coordinator next year for the Tide? Uh, reportedly, Bill O'Brien, the, the former Penn State head coach and the former Houston Texans head coach mm-hmm. um, who, who worked for the Patriots for a while before he took that, that Penn State job. And, and, and Ben is going to look at some other people, but um, you know, he's, he's reportedly someone who's, who's pretty close to the, the finish line. Alabama's done this before. They, they hired Brian Dable as their offensive coordinator who ended up being a, a one-year finish, which worked out pretty well. It was a national championship, so mm-hmm. do what you will. Um, but that, that's apparently who's kind of the, the leader in the clubhouse at the, at the moment. Brett, uh, obviously a uh, a lot on the national championship game on Tide Sports. Uh, kind of walk us through what we can uh, what we can find at TideSports.com. Oh, a lot of a lot of coverage of the game and, and more to come. This was a, a historical season, so um, there's a lot. That, there will be a lot there in terms of the records broken and, and some of the historical context, like comparing Nick Saban with Bear Bryant. Now they both have won six national championships. Alabama Saban has the, the seventh from his time at LSU. So um, a lot of stuff from the game is already on there, and, and some more of the historical con- context will, will be on there in the days to come. Hey, Brett, thanks so much for your time. Have a great afternoon and evening, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man.
appreciate it. That's uh, Brett Hudson from TideSports.com.